Alright guys, this is the Gun Dog Notebook. This is the next episode, man. This is Darrell Smith. This is episode 23. Alright. This is episode 23. We're gonna have a good time. Uh this episode has been in the in the, the plans, I guess, for a good little minute now. Uh when I first when I first uh really got into you know really trying to train a bird dog and and uh you know, figure it all out. I had this crazy misconception that I was just going to be able to jump into the uh, bird dog world and, and it, uh, just kind of work out for me. Right. Um, of course I knew that it was going to be kind of tough and you needed to talk to some people. Um, but what I was, what I was, uh, really appreciative of is the fact that our guest today, uh, David Donahue from Macamo Kennels, David was the one that really had a good, uh, first in-depth conversation about, you know, training bird dogs, get them to do what, get them, getting them to do what you want them to, uh, do and perform and what it takes to do it. And a little bit of his background history, um, especially because I was, I was, I, I had a lab, I have a lab, but at the time that was my first real bird dog. So, uh, our guest today, David just really gave me a lot of positive insights and, and, uh, really taught me how to go into something with faith on your mind, you know, understanding, you know, the strength of your faith and, and, uh, you know, how that plays into getting the things that you want done. And it doesn't matter what it is, not just training dogs and, and, uh, running around, but also just taking, taking that big leap, you know, into doing something you're passionate about. I know a lot of my listeners come from some pretty solid careers and backgrounds and, you know, we all got nine to five day jobs and things like that. But I think the common thing with all of us is the fact that we all love these dogs and we, you know, you, if you listen to this po- podcast, you likely have a hunting dog or plan on getting one or, you know, hell, you just got in a conversation with me and I was just talking about it and hell, probably hit the subscribe button for you. All right. But anyway, um, David Donahue, he's, he's a, he's a good dude. He works hard. Um, and he knows his stuff. I mean, you know, he, he, he's, he's got training on his mind. He, he took that leap of faith and, uh, opened up a kennel, Macamo Kennels. Right. But another thing about Macamo Kennels that is, uh, one of the second big points that I get to in the podcast is the dog beds. Ruger has a uh, Macamo dog beds, one of the earlier versions of it. And uh, I mean, although there are new versions out now that are a lot better than what we what I got back then, which is the benefit of having a strong business model and, you know, doing what David does. But Ruger's dog bed, I can stand on it right now. And it, it I mean, it holds. My dog is not 185 pounds. I'm 185 pounds. And that dog bed hold me on it like ain't nothing like, you know, like I'm 60, 65, like Ruger is. So it's it's a very good product. I absolutely advocate for it. And because um, Macamo and Amber and David are so gracious, this uh, podcast is now partnering up with uh, Macamo Kennels. Okay, so at the end of this podcast, um, just check it out, you know, go to MacamoKennels.com. I'll leave the uh, link and everything like that on there for you. 
And, you know, you'll get $5 off the cost of your dog bed if, uh, if, if, if you go check, take a check and look at the page and, and go get you one of them dog beds, man. Like, there's no reason why your dog needs to be uncomfortable, okay? Especially if you're going to run them hard, work them hard, and do all of this extra stuff. There's no reason for your dog to be uncomfortable. So, all that to say, man, uh, I will absolutely make sure you guys have access to the Macamo Kennels um, promotional page for the Gun Dog Notebook, okay? And, uh, you know, we'll go from there. Let me know how you like it. Um, of course, also, please, guys, go to uh, patreon.com and uh, support the podcast. And I do need to apologize for anybody that may have tried to find uh, the Gun Dog Notebook on Patreon before. I made a mistake and put in my name, Darrell, as the patreon page and it should have been the gun dog notebook very simple mistake i overlooked it so if you couldn't find it before you can now find it now i made that correction on my own so guys go to macamo kennels go get yourself a dog bed all right get yourself uh, a few dollars off all right go to patreon.com for my subscribers that are there now and my subscribers that will come in the future guys go ahead and you know get on there and like i said everything that you guys do to support this podcast does not go to me it goes back to the podcast um i'm just trying to make sure you guys have a significantly better experience and the information is is valid i'm not really leaning towards training dogs i i i hope you get more out of this podcast other than dog training tips if that's what you want go get yourself a book with this podcast i'm trying to have guests on that are in my opinion very good representations of uh you know communication very good representations of uh you know, good dog training philosophies, good dog philosophies, good handler philosophies. Um, I want to make sure that there's a wealth of knowledge in all kinds of different areas. So with that being said, guys, this is the Gun Dog Notebook, episode 23 with David Donahue from Macamo Kennels. Okay, guys, this is Mr. David Donahue from Macamo Kennels. How are you, man? I'm fantastic, girl. Thank you kindly for having us on. How okay. are you? I am great. I'm great. Busy. Just got done with work for for the for the summer, but uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty good. I um I'm glad to have you. I know we had talked about it a while back, getting you guys on um this podcast. So we had kind of played with the idea for a second, and so I just think it's it's good and timely, um, especially going into the summer. You know, your dog trainer and you i mean if i if you look at your instagram and everything that you guys are putting out um y'all are doing a lot of work <laughs> and the summer is coming up so i figured it would be good to have you guys uh on the podcast because why not you know go to the source as far as summer training you know getting dogs ready for the next season or testing season and things like that and then i kind of wanted to file uh get a little bit about your background too Sure, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, we're here to help. Cool, cool, cool. All right. All so right. let me ask you this. When we were uh first introduced a, a while back, we got into a pretty heavy conversation about your faith. And I just think it's important to open up uh with the podcast in a kind of kind of blessing kind of way. But how important is your faith in, in terms of dog training and 
operating your business? Because I understand you took a, a, a pretty big leap of faith, didn't you, starting out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so the, uh, the the short story here uh, is uh, I was in the military, and um, right around eight years, I was a counterintelligence agent with the 10th Special Forces Group. Wow. Uh, and the whole the whole time I'm training dogs, and um, as a side thing, you know, and, and I had a retriever at the time named Baptist that uh, um, I learned a lot on. And um, sorry, I'm getting a little bit of feedback. I can kind of hear myself. So oh. if, if it stumbles me up a little bit, forgive me on that. Oh, okay, my bad. Let me know if it's my uh, my my okay. recording. Yeah, no problem. You know, and from there. Um, I really didn't enjoy what I was doing in the military all that much. Um, I was on, on lunch breaks every single weekend on lunch breaks after work, before work. A lot of times I would, uh, I would, uh, be training dogs, uh, where I worked at the compound that I worked on. There was a big field in the back. I was able to go do that. And, um, I was working on other people's dogs with them and that sort of thing. So at the time, to tell you the truth, I really didn't know, um, such a profession existed, and so um, I, I got to looking at that. Well, I, I had uh, I had my daughter at the time. We just had Whitney, and, and um, we lived in a 3,000-square-foot home there. You know, life was comfortable. Life was very comfortable, right. uh, but uh, not very fulfilling. And um, at that point, I said, you know, uh, I'd like to transition into this. I had met another trainer, pro, uh, pro trainer in Colorado, and... Um, I started doing some work with him and I realized really about the first day that I was there that uh, I just really felt God speaking to my heart that this was what I was supposed to do. Um, but, you know, there wasn't any kind of riches to be made. It didn't seem, you know, it, it, uh, it's a pretty tight business sometimes. Feast or famine, uh, it's been described as. And so, yeah, stepping out and, and uh, leaving that, you don't, I didn't leave the military to become a dog trainer in, in and of myself. I, I left to become an apprentice. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the military, I was, a, I was a E5, I was a sergeant. Um, and so I, I made a decent paycheck and, and it was steady. It was always there. And uh, to leave that, um, I left, when I left the military and, and started apprenticing with some field trial professionals, um, I left and I was making $1,200 a month wow. and, um, that was, that was a really tight time. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, believe it. For, and at that point we had another child, Bo, my, my son, uh -huh. you know, and so two kids and we sold our, our, our home and we moved into a 42 foot fifth wheel making 1200 bucks a month, uh, Traveling dog trainer, traveling dog trainer's assistants, yeah, uh, really. And um, you know, so yeah. At the time, it was it felt crazy. It was crazy, but I find it interesting that um, all throughout the Word of God, those who follow what is that God is telling them to do are typically labeled as crazy. <laughs> as you we've know. seen in history, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so faith, faith is crazy. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to the outsiders who don't understand it. They don't understand faith. They don't have that relationship with Jesus. Um, because what he can ask us to, to do can be, can seem nuts. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, if you want something you never had, you, you got to do something you've never done. Right. And so from the beginning of Macamo, Amber and I have always said that um, we've, we've had this little quote that we remind ourselves with, that we bounce off of each other when, when one of us, you know, when, when we get into one of these situations where we need to make another big step, but we, we just don't know if it's right. Uh, fearlessly forward ahead is what we've always said. Wow, that's cool. Where did you uh, where did you guys get that from, or you just came up with it? Uh, to tell you the truth, to be completely honest, we we got it from being fed up. If that makes any kind of sense at all, it does. And everyone, everyone's either either been there or they will get there. They get to the point where they said, "I am absolutely fed up with X, Y, or Z." Mm-hmm. And so, kind of at that point, uh, Amber. And we got to that point when there was no money. Yeah. When there was no money to make that, because it's easy to make the big decisions. Like, do I hire, do I hire the the assistant that I need, uh, or the bed? You know, like when, when these beds really started taking off, which we'll get into, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, we don't have the money to hire somebody, but if we don't do it, then we can't go forward. So, fearlessly forward ahead, and faith says, hire them, find them, put out the application start having the applications come in mm-hmm. and let's just start the interviews right now. And let's, and we, you know, it's that, it's that Indiana Jones stepping yeah. out into the, onto the invisible step. And then the next thing you know, uh, you get three or four do- uh, phone calls for dogs to come into training yeah. or, or another person calls you, a dealer calls us for the bids and orders a hundred bids. And there's your, there's your first month of, paying for that new employee right there. Right. Who cares about month number two and month number three? And month, <laughs> we're not worried about that. We're worried about the, the right here and now. Right. Um, which is crazy to the world. But you, you have to, as when you want something, like you say, you have to be there. You have to be present for your opportunities. I mean, it is, it is crazy. And a lot of people are going to want to sit back and it's cushy to go to an office and, Clock in and clock out every day. You know where your check's coming from. Well, but like you, you said, know, I'm running your own business. I, I hear this this stuff. Not that it's bad ideas or nothing like that. Yeah. But, you know, business plans and um, a, uh, a a payroll a payroll account mm-hmm. that has payroll saved up for your employees for a year in case things don't look. Macamo has never had that. Yeah. Um. I've never had that luxury. Everything that, that we that we have, we have, we have had to fight for, and we have had to step out and save for, and, and just expect God to uh, to provide. Right. The truth of the matter is, and that leads me to to probably the most important thing that I could convey in, in your podcast, and that is, um, you know, we don't consider ourselves the owner of this thing. Right. Our church. Our wonderful church, God bless them. They they have a uh, they've been great teachers to us, and um, they have this thing called uh, business dedications. Wow! And early on, when we first started Macamo, we dedicated this business, and and the pastor talked about um, which I completely agreed with him and came into agreement with him about uh, we're not the owners of Macamo. We didn't start Nakamo. Um, we, we dedicated to the Lord. He owns it. 
he can erase it if he wants, or he can build it up to be the most successful thing if he wants. But the truth of the matter is, is that uh, the captains of a team don't own the team. Right. The owners own the team, and they do with the team as they as they will please. The captains are just there to manage it. They're just there to um, orchestrate it. They're just there to maintain the motivation and uh, um, conduct it as the owner sees fit. Yeah. So from the beginning, we've always really tried to view ourselves not as the owners, but as captains of this. And I, I tell the guys who come and work with us, I say with us, not for us, for a reason, because it's, it's not for us, right. um, with us. And without the team, we can't do this. Um, and and I, I noticed uh, on your website, you refer to, um, you actually refer to everybody as Team Macamo. Uh, it, it's listening yeah, team. Sure. Yeah, like what? So, let's talk about the rest of your team. Can you, you know, talk about some of the trainers and and what do you guys do? Um, I really want to go into that. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's only two two faces. There's two faces of Macamo. Mm-hmm. We have the the retriever training, um, and then it, it, it is dedicated to what we believe is the finest animal. There's a lot of animals on earth that look. Uh, one face of Macmo is dedicated to what we believe is the finest animal on earth. Yeah, and that is that is the Labrador Retriever. Is it good? Yeah, man? I know we, we do golden <laughs> retrievers and Chesapeake, and I, I get that. Okay, but um, the Retriever, uh, in a sense, mm-hmm. with, a, with a special, with a very special place in our heart for the Labrador Retriever, but um, the finest animal on earth. And uh, the next, the other face is is uh, are the dog beds. Yep. So with our uh, with our training, I have I have volunteers some 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 older gentlemen from church that help me, and and um, uh, my brother who is soon to come on here to be working with me, um, and uh, my wife she helps out with the dogs, and and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how that goes. And we train them for competition, uh, field trials or hunt tests. We specialize in uh, young dogs, what would be considered. Uh, uh, basic training through transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really don't do all age training just because I, I hope to someday migrate towards that. I hope to have that knowledge and that, that capability, but that takes, that takes a whole nother set of grounds and, and, um, operating capabilities that, that Macmo just doesn't have. So, yeah. um, we, uh, we, we specialize in young dogs and basics and transitions. Okay. And, uh, yeah. That's, that's how that works. We take them to hunt test and, and uh, um, kind of whatever the client wants at that point. Yeah. So, so do you have some uh, some some prospects, you know, that you may be saying like, wow, this dog is going to be, you know, the next great thing. Like, and and how do you identify that in a pup? Yeah, that's 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 a great that's a great point. That's what again back to uh, you know. That, that first face of Macomo being dedicated to the finest animals on earth, that's what it's all about. It's all about recognizing a special dog. Mm-hmm. And I believe that starts with breeding. Absolutely. You have to invest into the into the nice breeding. And, and uh, so Macomo personally right now, we have um, uh, puppies out of um, Luke, physician of Antioch, Luke, who's a couple points away from his field champion. Okay. Uh, he was the national derby champion in, don't quote me here, I believe 2014. 
Okay. Uh, National Derby. It's the best two-year-old in the country in the year that he did it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. cool. His, his uncle is uh, Robert Stray Bullet, um, national field champion. The best dog in the best always dog in the country. Yep. I believe in the year following Luke's national derby champion win. <sighs> so we have a we have a pup out of him, out of Luke. Uh, that's captain. And okay. then I have a pup out of Maestro, field champion Maestro. And then we also have a pup out of the uh, uh, the national amateur champion, yeah. uh, a dog by the name of Tubby. So <laughs> we uh, we definitely try to invest into the breed and into good breeding, and try to hopefully recognize from those um, special dogs. Mm-hmm. And that leads me, to, you know, to your second part of that question was, how do you recognize that? And uh, truth be told, it's the only thing that can recognize that is time. Yeah. It's time. There's a reason why the field trials, the oldest sport, or the oldest event in this sport. Yes, I know we have the HRC now, and we have the AK, we have the hunt test. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the very first sport was was the field trial. Right. And the field trial says up until a point that a dog is two years old, um, that's that's the, the the very first minor stake that they can compete in. So what I, I think the the writing is on the wall with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what they're saying is up until the time the dog is two years old, they're still in a developmental stage, not only in the, the gray matter between their ears, but also obviously in training. Mm-hmm. So it, it takes that amount of time, along with other things, health clearances and so on and so forth, uh, but it takes that amount of time for them to reach a point where we can really start making a judgment call on, um, you know, do they have it or not? Yeah. Uh, there's been many a dog, there's been many a retriever, what they call washed out of training that turned around to be fantastic dogs. But it just took time. Uh, and you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, now that uh, obviously there's a big variable in this that, uh, that plays a part in washing one of those dogs out, i.e. money mm-hmm. because it costs, it costs money to train. But um, yeah, I try to, I try to adhere to that. You know, why did those, why did those early founders of field trials and stuff, set up the, the 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 outline of that thing as two years old being a derby dog yeah being a well there's a that's the reason why okay. so maximum dedicated that we uh, we try to give the dog the time we try to recognize that good that good pup and um put them in the right home a competitive home to want to further uh uh build that dog mm-hmm I mean, when, when you stop and think about it, what is the point, truly, what should be the point of competing our dogs and, and titling our dogs? Bettering, bettering the breed. Yep. yep. Separating them apart. Yep. Um, a lot of people do it for other reasons. Uh, glory, um, strictly to get them titled and sell them because they want to make money. Oh, okay. You know, and all those are... are, are our reasons, I guess, but mm-hmm. the the real reason for doing it, the reason why Macamo does it, is to find that um, the Labrador Retriever Jarrell changed my life. Yeah. Oh, I, I I want to go into that too, but go ahead. Yeah, and 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 let's do go into that real quick. The Labrador Retriever changed my life, as most people who are dedicated to the sport will attest to. Um, 
when I when I grew up, I grew up in kind of a broken home mm-hmm. that uh, and I got into drugs as, as a as a as a kid and and alcohol and that kind of thing that and it screwed me up. And dogs retrievers, especially and training retrievers, created this or offered this kind of healthy, busy lifestyle. Yep. That took me away from that crap, you know. And um, <laughs> next to that. Uh, retriever training is the truest mirror, I believe, that you could ever, next to golf, yeah. uh, that, that you could ever participate in. Uh, your dogs won't lie on who on who it is that has, has their hands on them. They're, they're a mirror mm-hmm. of their trainer. Mm-hmm. So, so, and I've learned so much about myself that way. Yeah, go ahead. Just, Sorry, well, I, I, I just really wanted to add to that. That was, that was profound because I've been doing a lot of uh, – you know, just reading, right? Like just a lot of reading from a lot of trainers, old and new and things like that. And a, a a person that really, that I just really admire is Bill Tarrant, right? Um, You know, great writer and and all of that. Well, he has this quote in the the book, uh, He Loved the Dog, that he was right and Mike Gould wrote it, but it was a quote from Bill Tarrant. And he said, um, I found in dogs all that God said man should have, but usually doesn't steadfastness, gentleness, devotion, loyalty, love, and total acceptance, you know, and that just really paralleled with what you were just saying, you know, and, and saying that they're a a mirror, you know, if you, if your dog isn't exemplifying that, you know, I wonder, I I look at the trainer like, okay, what is this guy doing with his dog? You know, because you can totally tell based on the dog's temperament and how they react with you, especially at a hunt test on the line. I mean, you can see it a mile away. You know, and yeah. and and dogs that you know, dogs have that about them, and that's why I got into Labradors myself. I'm I'm very biased as far as the that breed because that was the that was the first dog that I've ever and I've had plenty in the past um that were just house dogs or anything like that i just i grew up with them but this was the first dog that i i felt like especially getting into hunting and and testing and you know just doing everything that i can with this dog this is the first dog that i feel like got it you know i felt like okay this 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 guy gets it and it was the, the, the hard part the hard part is when you try to explain this job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> when you try to, when I try to explain this job to my father-in-law, right? Uh-huh. Um, it's a hard thing to explain. Oh, so you train duck dogs. <laughs> well, so the way I try to, the way I try to, uh, um, get it across to somebody is, yeah, okay. But the practical application, the real world application of this, of course, yes, is duck hunting. Right. But training a retriever is, is, I've never viewed it as, I want to be a, a, a duck dog trainer. I, I guess it just never registered to me like that. It's, um, yeah, I, it, it's hard to explain right. sometimes. No, no, duck hunting to me is not the, the goal of training a retriever. Right. Uh, it just so happens we use birds because that's what they love so much. Right. You know, but uh, that that was never the absolute end goal was just to be a good good duck dog. Um, I enjoy teaching them, teaching them, teaching me something that has taught me something. It's kind of like what you're saying. And, and what we're agreeing upon here is the fact that um, 
uh, you can definitely see that relationship. Right. And uh, in the, if anyone at all, when, when they train their dogs, have any kind of theory to it whatsoever anyway, or are they just applying to their training situations what they read in the book or what they watched on the video mm-hmm. or what they, you see. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think it 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 really boils down to the relationship that you have with that dog. I mean, and that's really been something that I've I've been trying to focus on, um, and and going back to the basics and really making and check and really checking for comprehension. But you know, I I could I could really go on about all of this crazy um, stuff. But one thing that we never talked about though, um, and I and. I got so excited to talk to you. I didn't ask in the beginning. Um, you're, where's your kennel located? And talk about your grounds and, and some. And just, I'm really fascinated with the facility. When you go to the website, it looks awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's, it's a, like we kind of opened up with it's a ton of work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, we're located in Jacksonville, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Actually, just east of Jacksonville, Missouri, a few miles. Um, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, which is kind of what you want for dogs, because it's not if, it's when a dog uh, decides to, you know, go exploring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you don't, you don't want to be, we decided we really didn't want to be near town when it came to that kind of thing. Right. Um, but no, we're, we're located out here, uh, Jackson, Missouri, Jacksonville, Missouri, and um, we're on 20 acres. Um, I've got a Oh, what is, what is the kennel? Uh, and we live on site. We, I built one big building just because I knew what kind of a lifestyle this was. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be close if there's long evenings. And so a lot of times I'm, I'm, I'm feeding dogs and then coming right, right in to sit down to eat dinner. So I didn't want to have to travel too far. So we live on site. Um, I've got, uh, all indoor kennel runs. Um, I say climate controlled. We don't do, we don't do air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, just because that can be kind of hard on to go back and forth, especially as we get to the summer heat. But right. we've got, uh, at the moment right now, we're working on finishing our, our 18, 18 indoor kennel runs. Wow. Um, and the, the, the property has all the, what I call the tools that you're going to need to train a retriever. I've got the um, technical water to, to uh, de-cheat the dogs, um, swim by to teach them how to, how to enter the water and stop in the water and, and um, uh, seek water yeah. is, is what that tool is for. So, and then on it, we also conduct all our yard work, like our wagon wheel stuff and our our pile work and our single tee and mm-hmm. and some and even some of our pattern blinds that we get the dogs running. Okay. Um, so yeah, oh, it's basically a, a dog farm to me. A good a good uh, kennel grounds will be set up to have, as I described it a minute ago. Uh, all the tools mm-hmm. on it mm-hmm. uh, that you're going to need to make to make the job doable. Yeah, you know. Wow, that's it. That that sounds like a, a dog training paradise, honestly. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, uh, we, we've been, and it's always a work in progress. You know, yeah. you're. I, I wish I wish we had the the money from the beginning to to just always. Uh, or to just from, right from the get-go be able to whip everything right into place where it needs to be, but mm-hmm. that's just not how it goes, you know. Budgets mm-hmm. are budgets, the big B word, yeah. and they're getting away from it. You know, you got to keep eating, so. Yep. Uh, 
yeah, it's just a work in progress, slowly but surely. We've right now we've got uh, a four-acre lake that uh, that I had built, um, island and, and channels and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, here soon, I've got another site up front for another four-acre lake that we will be will be building here in just a couple of years. Wow. Uh, you know, that it's all about, uh, you know, my theory on, on good, uh, as, as is a lot of many trainers theories on, on, on good water is, um, you teach the dogs, the dogs learn by pictures. Yeah. Uh, so whether or not they're looking down that channel or they're looking at that re-entry that goes into the channel or that Island bird, uh, they learn by pictures. And so if you're able to effectively and efficiently teach that picture at home, or on some of the training grounds you have access to, um, you really set yourself up for success for going to that field trial and the dog looking out there and you say, good, right there, there's your mark, mm-hmm. good. And they look out there and they see that picture and they go out there and complete the picture. Right. That's kind of the the uh, the, the goal there. Okay, okay. And that that's just a good thing to know, again, being out, my, out there, uh, you know, doing yard work or whether it be out and, and, and extending the distances and doing field work, knowing that they do understand, you know, that dogs learn in pictures. That's key because I think a lot of people forget, you know, to think like the dog and put your dog in that, or so I'm sorry, put yourself in that dog's shoes, you know, so to speak when you're out training. So that's just something to kind of remember. Like, look, they see in pictures, um, and set them up for success. One thing I like to do is make sure that if I'm out, you know, running drills and things like that, I, I, every time they do something, they associate me with success, you know, and and they associate, this is what we're going to do that, you know, we're working as a team and both of us work together. The dog's got the nose, you know, we can work as a team to, to see achievement and success. Um, and, not do it too often, you know, kind of have them wanting to come back. You know, it's, it always feels good, you know, and, in your own, in anybody's own, you know, endeavors, it always feels good to be successful in something you enjoy doing. So why would the dog be any different? Yeah. You know, a fantastic trainer that you've probably heard of and many of your listeners have probably heard of, uh, Rex Carr. Yeah. Once said when, when setting up a, when going out to train your dogs, stop and ask yourself, what is the dog getting from it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have, and, and that 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 review, you know, that's a that's a, a fantastic. It seems simple enough. It, it, it almost seems like a oh duh type right. of statement. Right. But the truth of the matter is, is, as a young trainer, a lot of times I would go out to a particular field or a particular piece of water that I was about to to work on, and I would look at it and I would say, I wonder if my dog internally, kind of in my mind, I guess my my motivation was, I wonder if I can get my dog to do this, this, and that. And I've matured as a trainer. I have, you know, you, you see those types of things like what Rex Carr says there. And, and, and now considering a good training sequence for the individual dog that you're working with, I look at that piece of water or, or I step out to that piece of property that we're about to work on. And I say, based on what happened yesterday, with this dog and based on where I want to be tomorrow with this dog, here's what is best for this dog today. Yep. Honestly, there have been days where I said the best thing for this dog today 
is to sit their little furry butt right there on that trailer uh-huh. and not do anything. Yep. Or maybe the best thing for that dog is to come out and just be put on a tie-out stake and just watch. Yep. Or, just... you know, the, the, the variables go on because of the individual that you're training. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when, when and I encourage listeners, when you're going out to set up your training, stop and ask yourself, what is the dog getting out of it? Yep, absolutely. What is the dog getting out of it? Are you just throwing something at them that's just, you know, so for example, if we just had to put this in perspective, if yesterday I started out the day with landmarks, and let's just say I did all singles, and there were some pretty cheaty singles in there, asking them to punch through cover and hold a side hill mm-hmm. and, and go through the and go go under the arc of an old bird out to a out to a, a further bird, and then after that I ran water. So so the, the the likelihood in that very first land setup of making some corrections and some stops and some recalls and using attrition and and that sort of thing probably existed, and I probably made some of those there. And then after that, I rolled into a couple water blinds. And, and, and we all know that water blinds can get kind of sticky and we end up putting a lot of uh, uh, whistles on our dog mm-hmm. and using some indirect pressure that way. The, the, the likelihood of our dog thinking of a training sequence kind of like a roller coaster, the likelihood of our dog being at a low position or at a low state of mind right there after all those, we put a lot in their head yesterday. Right. We put a lot in their head yesterday. Maybe the best thing to do this morning, first thing this morning, because of what happened yesterday, let me just start off the day with some some good just shore-to-shore, non-cheaty water singles. Right. Let's just get them pounding in the water because they love to, you know, they love to enter into the water with that big splash and go over and just nail that bird and swim back with it. Let's just start them off with that, and then we're going to end the day with some momentum blinds on land. Yeah. So that would be a good, logical, everyday training sequence that most trainers are, are, are using. And if, if you're not, you should be, that you are basically playing with your dog's motivation in this roller coaster type of setup. If they're low, I know I need to bring them high. Right. If they're too high, maybe I need to bring them low. Yep. What's, what's coming up this weekend? Do we have a hunt test coming up this weekend? I don't want my dog going to the hunt test high as a kite. Right. I also don't want them going as low as a as a railroad tie right Got i want them to go nice and level-headed you know so how i how i train for that is is uh it's going to mean a lot yeah that is again <laughs> another golden nugget from david donahue um that's really interesting and and that forces you to have to observe your dog i mean to really pay attention to that temperament and for trainers that have multiple dogs that's multiple it's, it's like having multiple awarenesses you know that's that's a really 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 interesting thing to uh to note and you know you don't want to it it's it causes more frustration when your dog is too high um you know to try and train and things like that you know so i i think that's definitely important to have to recognize um so, <laughs> anybody listening to this podcast, <laughs> that you was know, definitely and obviously something. Just having the uh, it, time and, and uh, um, dedication to learning and, 
and that's from the apprenticeships that I spent uh, with, and I got to work with several different trainers. Mm -hmm. um, I got to see all these different tricks of the trade and tools of the trade in order to take a dog. If you think about it, that's all these things are, how to take a dog high to low, high to low, right. and, and teach them the, the new concept. Again, where was I yesterday? Where do I want to be tomorrow? Where do I want to be next month? Where do I need to be in six months? So on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And we use these tools to get them there. Um, and eventually, good day, as one as one fabulous trainer told me, I, I hope someday you listen to this because he, uh, he, really, he really changed uh, my perspective. He's my good friend, Adam Bally, okay. in Minnesota with Bally's Gun Dogs. If you're in Minnesota and you're looking for a fantastic trainer, I highly recommend him. Okay. Um, he told me, you know, when you take those days and you stack one day on top of the next, brother, that's what makes field champions. Yeah. It's, when, it's, you take the, when you take the highs and the lows and you stack good days, and let me tell you, a good day could be a day that you end up taking that dog is too high and you get some of those good corrections in on them. Mm -hmm. You know, when you take those good days and you stack them in on top of each other one day after the next, patiently, patiently, with forward momentum, yep. that's what will make field champions. That's, that's if the cool. dog themselves is capable of getting to that point. Not every dog can be a field champion. Right. If it was a if it was if it was a store bought title, where's the real value in it? Right. You know. So, um, I believe there are four. I believe there as Cotton Pershaw and, and to add, actually, he said three. Cotton Pershaw said there's three. There's three uh, traits of a of a good retriever trainer. And Bobby George wrote about this in, in the book, uh, Training Retrievers to Handle uh, uh, the Cotton Pershaw Method. Okay. And Cotton Pershaw said uh, energy, dedication, and sensitivity are the three traits that a trainer needs to be a, a good retriever trainer. Absolutely. I and if you, if you really break those down, yeah, dedication or energy, let's just talk about energy. Sometimes the best thing on that momentum blind or on that new cold blind with that young dog that's in transition. Sometimes the best thing is to get out of your comfort zone up there at the line where it's nice and mowed mm -hmm. and start walking out there with that dog. And if it takes you into knee-high uh, grass that you know you're going to get chigger bites from, so be it. So be you have got to have the energy to do it. Yep. Dedication, obviously. Sensitivity. You've got to have it. There's not... I, I've come to learn with these retrievers that evil's not just lurking under the surface. They want to believe you. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you also need to be sensitive to them. Um, and so if, if they're not performing with you, I like to look at stools a lot of the time. If I have some soft stools, mm -hmm. like, there's, there might be something going on inside their gut that just says they don't, they just aren't up to the task today, boss. Really? You know? <laughs> well, yeah, sure. Wow. But, when, when you're not to be not to be vulgar, but we no, are dog trainers. Feel and, free, and yeah, go ahead. Oh crap, is a part of our life, um, you know. But when, when our when we admit don't feel good, it shows itself usually in the same way. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> and in that particular day, I'm probably not going to do uh, a very a very very tough because I don't feel good. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that... dogs are the same way. That is a crazy observation. Wow. I never thought about that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, <laughs> I, I keep a close eye on stools. And to that, I, I try to feed, um, you know, you're, you're only going to get out of your athletes what you put into them. And so I, 
I do try to feed a, a, a good dog food with a aftermarket probiotic on it. Yeah. That uh, that sets their internal self up for success. It, now, what do you what do you feed your dogs? I I use uh, Pro Plan Sport. I do too. Thirty twenty. Oh yeah, exactly. Every dog that's going to win the national. The National Open's eating the same thing. Yep. It's good enough for me. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Right. <laughs> Dude, I get the big purple and black bag. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, and then on top of that, we uh, we feed a, uh, a probiotic called Canine Thrive. Okay. Uh, that folks are welcome to look at on the on our website. Um, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful, life-changing uh, probiotic. For your, for your, it'll actually cut down the amount of food that you're having to feed. Really? And it only runs you 10 bucks a month. So it, it actually ends up paying itself off because you cut down uh, substantially, you know, because your dog absorbs it or their gut absorbs, absorbs the uh, the nutrition, you know, the, the food better. So uh, wow. makes their coats better, makes their eyes clearer. Um, I, I could go on and on about it and sing its praises. But made by a fantastic company yeah. uh, called Psy Dogs, Canine Thrives. If you're not feeding a, a aftermarket probiotic, you should be you should really consider looking into it. Um, and uh, it gives you fantastic Arnold Schwarzenegger type stools. Wow! Uh, you know, so it's it's uh, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I uh, I'm gonna definitely go and check that out um, because I've been you know you you want to make sure you take care of of, of your dog and that's gonna be essential just like any other athlete i mean i ran college i ran track in college and just like the dogs you out you burn in energy and, and a lot of the times it's short bursts and things like that so you want to make sure that uh yeah you you want to make sure the dog is, is well fed and taken care of so let me let me talk about this the the main 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 thing the dog beds the macamo kennel dog beds <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, first of all, I was impressed when I first got it uh, in the mail from you guys. Number one, it was extremely timely, and I appreciate that. But number two, um, I, I stood on the bed myself, <laughs> and yeah. it, it is strong. It is a strong bed, and my dog, he's jumped all over it. And I mean, you would think you'd have put a hole in it by now, and it is it's durable. It looks just like it did when you guys sent it to me. Um, you know, minus a little bit of dog hair, but sure. I, I really appreciate that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, uh, the dog beds were, were uh, they, they helped us transition, uh, into doing this full time. Um, we recognized the need, the dog beds came from a need that we, that we found whenever we wanted to start our kennel, um, that didn't exist. We felt like with other dog beds that were out there, mm-hmm. uh, we wanted something that was attractive. Right. Where, you know, if you put yourself in those shoes of someone, uh, or if the listeners put themselves in the shoes of, uh, you're just starting this thing. You want to, you want, you want to attract people. You want, so if you want to attract people, you need to have something attractive, you know, and I, and we wanted the best to be attractive. And from what we saw out there, things were, you know, I, I've never liked pastel colored type. I we just didn't like what, what was already out there. Right. Next to that, we needed it to be uh, tough because we train a very, very potentially hyperactive dog. Right. Okay. Right. So we needed to be tough. We needed it to be attractive, and we needed it to be affordable. 
And if you look at our website right now, that's what we we still cling to that tough, attractive, affordable. Yep. And um, when we when we first started, we we wanted to fill our the plan was only to make something tough, attractive, and affordable for our kennel. Just 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 for us. I, I didn't really plan on selling beds. Well, um, one night I posted it on Facebook that here's I'm going to make these things. It was on some retriever group and I'm going to make these things and, and um, think I'm going to sell it, sell it for this. I couldn't even tell you what I said at the time. Uh, who, who would, who might be interested in something like that? Right. Because I was going to have this bulk supply of material that was basically just, I was going to use what I needed and I'll just make a few more out of the rest of them. And sell them. Right. That was on a Thursday night. I wake up the next morning on a Friday morning and there was 150 orders. Wow. Are you serious? The next day. I'm serious. The next day. And so I looked at my wife and, and being the uh, um, semi-entrepreneur mindset person that I am, I said, let's do that too, you know, um, not realizing the real bite that I was that I was taking, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was trying to train dogs and build dog things at the same time. So wow. that quickly evolved. To tell you the truth, we've never had an inventory. Uh, if, if callers were to call in right now and order a bit, uh, they're put on a uh, – a semi, you know, basically private waiting list that we have here. Okay. And uh, kind of like Burger King. I mean, it's it made the order, you know. It, it, uh, I don't have anything in inventory right now. We've never been able to create an inventory. Right. Because the beds just keep going out, you know. Hey, that's a good so, That's a good problem to have. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a good problem to have. And um, uh, from there, obviously, we needed help big time. And mm-hmm. we hired a fantastic um helper named Kevin and he does a fan I mean he just does a fantastic job he does better than I did on him you know mm-hmm. um just just uh, really exceeded expectations there and, and um we're we're the only uh elevated bed maker in the country uh that will customize them to whatever location you want them so your dog trailer your crate your rough tough kennel mm-hmm. the, uh, the back seat of your truck uh, wherever you want it, uh, and we'll, we'll do it. We're the only one in the country that does it highly affordably. Right. Um, so and we have all different kinds of colors. We can logo them. Um, you know, a lot of different options, different uh, different uh, materials. Obviously, we have the breathable mesh, which we we like as retriever trainers. Mm-hmm. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I have that one. Yep. And, but we also have the heavy duty vinyl. Yeah. Uh, similar to what our competition offers, and we offer a year warranty on that. Um, and we have some lighter, lighter duty vinyl as well. So yeah, a lot of different options. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking um, because again, you know, we have that uh, the Gun Dog Notebook referral page. So of course, you've got your custom trailer and crate beds. I'm glad that you have the uh, the one that fits a rough tough kennel because that's the one, right. the next one that I need to get from you. But That's uh, really popular. Yeah, yeah, I um I need to get that one. You've got the uh the Motuff armor beds, you've got the Tough Elite series, you've got the uh monster beds, the heavy duty vinyl. Um so yep. what are what are the differences for a customer that doesn't know where to start? Okay, um your Motuff bed is our our breathable our thirteen hundred denier uh breathable mesh. It comes with a ninety day warranty. It's the only mesh bed on the market. The only mesh, elevated mesh, vinyl mesh bed on the market that has a warranty. 
the others out there will have a frame warranty, but not a warranty on the material itself. Uh, so that's what that is. It, it has a, a set of armor that if the dog is a chewer, um, they chew up uh, the edge of it. You can take the bed away, replace the armor, give it back to them. It's just like you nails. Know, mm-hmm. It's breathable. It's orthopedic. It's cooling to them because it gets airflow all the way around them. It'll take hair, dirt, dandruff. I've even found seat picks on the bottom uh, wow. underneath the bed where it's taking a seat pick off the dog. Wow. Um, so the, that's that's the uh, Motef armor. Um, the Elite series is uh, is also um, uh, the same mesh, except we uh, have come up with different designs for the um, the frame itself, uh, the legs and the feet, uh, all the different colors. Your your very first, uh, what I would guess I would call the yeah the Moto, uh, is just a white frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get into the Elite series. You can get all the different colors. Uh, the monster beds, as you mentioned, are the 40-ounce vinyl, uh, which have the year warranty on the bed. And um, they're tough. Okay. They're, they're extremely tough. They're, they're, we call them the monster bed because they're for that. We had a dog in sometime back, a dog by the name of Deacon, uh, who was a monster. Yeah. He, uh, He's one he of the big ones. He could grab a chain-link fence and, and sit there and chew it like a squeaky toy. I mean, what? You know, and so he was he was a monster on the bed and he could really uh tear into those beds, especially the mesh sometimes and, and uh if you have a real crazy one like that. So we call it the monster bed that we can offer and uh, he never was able to get through the uh the forty ounce. So Okay. Hey, look, it's good that you uh, had it tested though. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we got everything tested, time tested and approved. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that's cool, man. I um I just, I really appreciate, you know, having the bed and I got one of the, the first models that you would, uh, that you guys were putting out. And I mean, it is standing the test of time. I, I, I left, I took it with me, uh, you know, out on a couple of hunting trips, you know, just, it's very easy to pack into the truck, uh, right. and, and leave it out. And it was, I literally had it outside of his kennel, um, whenever we needed to take a break from hunting this past season. And I mean, it's weather, it's weather approved and everything. The important thing though, is does your dog like it? Uh, when I walk downstairs, <laughs> he jumps right on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they do love them. I they, think he likes the springiness of it too. I, I think that's what's going on. <laughs> right. it, there, there's right. some give to it. And I think he just likes, he, he stays on it, but he'll hop right on it. He doesn't just walk on it. He has to hop on it. Mm-hmm. So right. I, uh, I I think he really enjoys it. That's been a that's been a good thing, and I'm you know proud as ever to say that I can you know do what I can to get you guys some more beds um, into the right hands into the right dogs. So you know I I just really appreciate you know what it is that you're doing. So I wanted to wrap up by asking you. Um, just about some of your experiences in the field, anything you want to leave with any other trainer or, or any, whatever you got for the, for the universe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I'll try to be brief about that. No, take uh, your time. You got time, please. You got time. If, uh, if there is one thing I could, I could impart to the dog world, to, to those experienced trainers out there that might be listening, you have no idea the impact that you have on those who, who want to get into this. Um, take them seriously. Yeah. 
and I, I know some of their questions can be can be silly, mm-hmm. uh, and they can and I know the questions can come up that you know they're going to just learn in time. But nevertheless, um, um, honor them, and uh, because they are the future of of this great sport. Mm-hmm. What sense is there in all putting all the effort that we do into developing this this fantastic fine breed if we're just going to trash those who are going to pick up the baton after us? That right. makes no sense. Right. There are. There are three. Um, there are three states of mind, I believe, to being um, a retriever trainer. Uh, Bill Eckett told me this, and I I didn't know Bill Eckett really really well. Um, I got to hang out with him. Uh, Bill Eckett, 2015 National Hall of Fame inductee, uh, uh, one of the finest trainers um, of all time. Uh, just a fantastic man. He he did tell me though there are three states of mind of, of being a dog trainer. Um, when you first start, you don't know anything, and you know you don't know anything, and mm-hmm. and you begin your quest, and there is no other term to describe it besides quest, for gobbling up every bit of knowledge you can, um, to to learn how to do this and and to take your dog to the next stage and and to delve into it. The, the the next state of mind is the most dangerous because several years in you 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 know something about it um, and you know that you know something about it and you plateau and you develop your program and money becomes the uh, the goal money becomes the option or you know the the, the prize mm-hmm. and you plateau and you start applying a cookie cutter program to all the individuals that are coming into your into your program. And uh, if they don't make it, you wash them out. If they do, great. You get your, you know, and you don't learn anymore. And there's no humility there. And there's it's just a dangerous place to be. Right. Hopefully, you're fortunate enough to talk to a great person like Bill Eckett or um, some of these other fantastic trainers that are out there. And and you learn that there's a third state, a third state of mind, and that third state of mind is realizing. Um, that you need to put yourself back in the same humble shoes that you wore in the very beginning because mm-hmm. this game is like golf. You can't master it. Um, there is no mastering it. You're dealing with live animals. Right. And every one of them is, is so totally different uh, that uh, they're, tra- they're, they're training you and, and you're training them all, all about the, the same amount. So um, if there's anything I can tell my uh Retriever brethren out there, stay humble. Yeah. And uh, you know, when you get to the when you get to where you're going, is that I love that that McGraw song that says, "When you get to where you're going, don't forget to look back and help someone else up too." I totally you know? agree. Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree. If it's well, one thing that I've I've observed, especially being you know new to the the gun dog world, is Everybody that I've met so far has been, you know, so gracious and so uh, helpful. And and I think it really has to do with we all have the same, you know, common goal, especially retriever folks. You know, we're all we all should be trying to help each other out. 
you know, and, and I've, I've experienced nothing but positivity and I want to make sure that, you know, I can do my due diligence to do, to make sure, like you said, those that come uh, behind will be able to say the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Like that, that really means a lot, you know, now that you're on the podcast, but even before when I was getting into it, that you, that you spoke so, uh, so openly and so freely and so candidly about, you know, just everything in, in terms of this sport, you know, you, you take a very humble and very respectful attitude about it. And that just, that really motivates me. But I also hope that anybody else on the other end of, of listening to this can say the same thing. I mean, it's, it means a lot. And at the end of the day, the dogs do the same for us. Like I try to make sure that there's never a, a day that I'm out training that I don't tell my dog we had a good day because it is good. It should be fun. It, it should be something that ultimately you enjoy, you know, and, 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 and if you can't enjoy it, then what's the point? And, and again, what is the dog getting out of it? What's the dog getting out of it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I encourage, I don't, you know, obviously there's a, there's a, a wide pool of people uh, listening to this, I, you know, and everyone at, in, in different walks of their life and, and, and that, um, and different walks with the relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I encourage you right before you start and, and the listeners, I encourage everyone, you know, right before you start your training, it, it's no extra time really to just take a moment. And, uh, uh, you know, the father loves it when his children talk to him mm-hmm. like a father and, um, just ask him, you know, uh, show me something today. Help me show them what they need to see and help me see what they need to show me. Um, and then start your training that way. For sure. Um, that's, 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 that's a, that's a, I, I really encourage folks to do that. Um, pray about a little bit, you know, and, um, yeah, have fun. Like you said, it's, it's a release. It's, uh, it's supposed to be fun. So if it's not fun, you need to reevaluate, right. you know? Yeah. Right. Well, Mr. Donahue, I I just really appreciate that and everything that you've uh you know, that you've offered and put on this podcast. That's some really valuable information and you know I hope. Go ahead. No, I said I just said I hope. <laughs> well, it definitely uh I I I'm pretty sure we're past hope cuz you have a lot of good stuff to say and and so what I'm going to do is make sure that uh you know, I can direct anybody, you know, to you, you know, through the podcast, you know, verbally in conversation, because we need to, we need more people out there, more trainers that need that, that are just now getting into it. They need to hear you. (laughs) Seriously. You have a lot of really good stuff to say, and I appreciate everything you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate you as well. Well, man, I, I, I want to go ahead and wrap this up, but you know, that, that I'm that's that's gonna give me something I'm gonna think about and and again every day I get out there I just want to take a little bit from everybody that I talk to in terms of this podcast and uh, you know just apply it to my training so you know I would like to conclude by just saying thank you just seriously Mr thank Donahue thank you you're very welcome thank you I appreciate that all right well I'm gonna hit the end but the stop button.
Guys, if you're still here by this point in time, you love me enough to do what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast. Go to Macamo Kennels. Check out the kennels. Check out the dog beds. We're partnering up with them, man. This is the beginning of a very fruitful relationship. Um, also, go on to my uh, Instagram page or my Facebook page and check out the uh, promotion that we've got going on through uh, the Gundog Notebook from Macamo Kennels. They were gracious enough to uh, give us $5 off uh, for the uh, the purchase of a uh, dog bed and so on and so forth. So, go check them out. Also, remember, go to patreon.com. Check out the Gundog Notebook. The name is fixed. Give me something if you love me. I really appreciate it. It goes back to the podcast. Also, you get to see a lot of cool little insider videos, too. That I'm going to start doing those. Um, and just extra promotions. Like I said, I've got those in the works. Doing some design. I do I do a lot of visual fine art stuff anyway on my own. So I'm going to be uh, putting some of that stuff on the Patreon site. So you got to go subscribe to see what it is. That'll be coming up. I'll be making some announcements on there. Um, yeah, man. So I'm going to get to this good old... Uh, Jerry Improvento uh, cover from Covey Rise. I keep staring at the magazine. I've read it three or four times. But uh, yeah, I'm going to get to reading this and chilling out here with my dog and enjoying this summer. All right. I've got a couple other things in the works as well, guys. Just stay tuned with me. Go check out Macamo Kennels, Patreon.